0: A cancer diagnosis can be one of the most difficult things you encounter in your lifetime. For many, you're just living your life and out of nowhere you get a cancer diagnosis. What if you've been diagnosed three times, like our guest, today? How do you navigate your life and care for your loved ones and keep a positive outlook? It's normal to feel anxious or overwhelmed by the uncertainty ahead. While it may feel like a lot is out of your control, knowing what to do next can help you cope and stay positive as you make decisions for your future. It's not easy. You may have a disease, but it doesn't have to define you. Are you tired of the high cost of healthcare? Are you overwhelmed trying to navigate a complicated healthcare system? Welcome to Get Savvy, demystifying healthcare weekly podcast where we take complicated healthcare topics and make them simple. Imagine if you could stop feeling paralyzed with fear and frustration and instead be empowered to make smart healthcare decisions for you and your family. Get savvy with your host, Sandy Kibling, a healthcare professional changing how healthcare knowledge is shared. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 28 Race Against Death. I'm not my disease. I have Shobo Rao with us today. Shoba is a debut novelist with My Race Against Death being her first memoir. She is a three-time cancer survivor and a kidney transplant recipient and shares lessons learned from her health struggles when opportunity arises, motivating people to live life to the fullest extent. She is a distinguished Toastmaster and often shares her life journey in various speeches, focusing on inspirational speeches with a humorous touch. In her other life, she's a successful career woman in the semiconductor industry for the past 25 years and currently serves as director of manufacturing. In her spare time, she enjoys exercising, reading books, dancing, painting, baking, cooking, and volunteering with various organizations. I wanted to bring Shoba on the show because of the journey she has been on and the lens that she has looked through on her journey of survival. Being diagnosed with a disease is hard enough, and then working through the complexity of the healthcare system may seem daunting. You may even reach that place of struggle, of wanting to give up and letting that disease define who you are. But there is hope and optimism on your journey to live your best life. Welcome to the show, Shoba. Thank you for having me, Sandy. My pleasure. In our initial conversation, uh, we, you have an amazing story, and I thought that we would start the show today with you just sharing with us a little bit about your story.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, uh, first of all, once again, thank you for having me. And as you mentioned, uh, I am a three-time cancer survivor and also a kidney transplant recipient. So my story starts in India, where I grew up my, most of my childhood. it's all has been in India. And in fact, I was uh, diagnosed with kidney failure at the age of 22 when I was in India. And uh, uh, for somebody who is 22 at that age, it was heartbreaking. I was just starting my career. I did not know what to do. I was um, I, I was shocked, literally. And then uh, my mother came through uh, like an angel that she is, as most mothers are. And uh, decided to donate one of her organs to me and uh, so I went through a kidney transplant at the age of 23 uh, which is active till today uh, thank god and thanks to science uh, uh, 25 years and I'm still going strong with my transplanted kidney so I I thought the loss of probability would help me get through uh, everything and I'm done with all these diseases now that I had the transplant, which unfortunately was not the case. So I moved to US uh, somewhere in 2000 when I got married to my husband, Suresh, and I moved to the Bay Area in 2000. I was working uh, at a company called National Semiconductors then. I came here on an immigrant visa working visa. So what happened at the age of 30, I got diagnosed with uh, uh, cancer in my ureter. Ureter is a tube that connects your kidney to your bladder in the body. So I got uh, cancer in my ureter. This was in my original kidney, not the transplanted kidney, but my own kidneys. So usually when uh, when the doctors do a transplant, unless the kidney is infected or something is wrong, they tend to leave the old kidneys inside your body. So my old kidneys were still there, though not functional, and I got cancer in one of those uh, ureters. So this was when I was 30 in 2004. So as soon as we found that, the doctors immediately suggested surgery. I got to a wonderful urologist who uh, may, uh, kind of did the surgery. And it was a feather in his cap, actually, because there was a lot of complications the way things were with my transplanted kidney lying on top of that ureter whatnot. So he went through various means, uh, a very complicated surgery and got it all out. And as we all know, uh, at that age, they tend to give aggressive treatments because I was just 30. So I did go through a chemotherapy after that. Went through all the works, uh, losing hair, all the side effects, did the whole uh, shenanigans. And once that was done, I was uh, fine. After that, I was in remission for seven full years without any issues. And after that, at the age of 37, I got my bladder cancer. So this was a tumor in my bladder. Um, and uh, because I have was constantly following up with all the scans and everything with MRIs, every few months. I was able to catch it as soon as it came. And then we had a surgery. Then we found out through various research that this whole cause of my kidney failure and my uh, cancers, both the cancers could be cause of a particular herb I was taking as a child for close to 15 years. I was taking a herbal concoction, uh, which is an alternative medicine in India. Uh, for a disorder that I had, which is vitiligo, white patches on your skin. And uh, people uh, with that herb called Aristolochia indica, or any any herb in that Aristolochia family, it is banned here in the U.S. by FDA. But in India, obviously, it's not. And and that herb is actually toxic to the kidneys and, in fact, creates uh, these cancers as well. So, if I had removed my kidneys originally, it may not have happened. But since my kidneys were inside there, it happened. As as soon as we knew that, we said, "Oh, okay, time to remove the other kidney as well." So let's take. So I did a preventive surgery of removing my second native kidney. So now all I have is just a transplanted kidney and nothing else inside my body. So all fine again. A couple of. Uh, So this was at 37. So just two years later, at 39, I got diagnosed once more, bam, with angiosarcoma of the liver. Angiosarcoma is the rarest of the rarest sarcomas out there. It's basically cancer in your blood vessels. So it is supposed to be very, very aggressive. And I got it in my liver. Once more, I found it at a very early stage when it was really small, just because I was going for follow-ups for my cancers. Most often, it is found very late, especially in the liver, and very, very few people survive that. I was lucky in certain ways. So once, as soon as I got diagnosed uh, with angiosarcoma, actually, it's an interesting story Because before even diagnosing it as angiosarcoma, we all thought it was my bladder cancer, which had metastatized to the liver. And uh, so I just went through the surgery. I didn't even do a biopsy, went through the surgery to remove that. So we did a laparoscopic surgery of the liver. The doctor uh, at Stanford uh, removed it. And then the pathology came back saying it is actually angiosarcoma, which was a huge shock. it's a balance of good news or bad news yeah it is not a stage four cancer but at the same time it's a very rare and aggressive cancer so went through chemo again to treat all that and after that was done uh, I have been in remission till now uh, thank god and uh, luckily so far it's been close to eight to nine years and I have been in remission in between I had a scare Because one more, uh, we saw some activity in the liver and I went through actually a massive surgery, assuming it was angiosarcoma, to remove that. Uh, My whole right lobe of the liver is gone. Um, But uh, it turned out to be uh, just atypical cells and not cancerous. And so I did not do any treatment after that. So I I can say I am in remission now for the past eight years. And that, in
0: short, is my story, (laughs) my long story. (laughs) Oh, my well, first of all, I'm glad that you're in remission. but what what a what a story? What a journey for you to have gone through that. and And as you were sharing that, I think a couple of things went through my mind. Um I talk often uh, to my listeners about navigating, you know, the system, but just navigating and going through that process to make sure you're getting the care that you need, but also mm-hmm. mentally, getting through that and especially at such a young age can you touch on those two points sure
1: um so let me talk about navigating through the system first right so every time when i got diagnosed uh, with that shock one thing i did not uh, let affect me one thing i did not uh, let it affect me was uh, the fact that uh, that i am doomed It does get to you. Of course, as soon as you hear the word cancer, it gets to me and uh, the panic sets in. And a couple of uh, days later, or for some people, it'd be weeks. For me, it's, I would say, like a week or so. Then my brain gets into this mode of uh, uh, to start fighting. I'm like, okay, let's make a plan. What do I have to do to get through this right now? Let me go ahead and do it. And then comes navigating the system. So I immediately try to find the doctors who can do this for me. And I try to find the best doctors. It's not easy always. In fact, I want to recount one story. When I had my uh, uh, angiosarcoma of the liver, I immediately rushed to my oncologist, obviously. And she referred me to a surgeon uh, in her center saying, okay, let's just go ahead and talk to him and when i set the appointment and i go and talk to the surgeon i realized he hadn't looked at my scans carefully see i am the kind of patient who advocates a lot i look after my health i like to be my own advocate so as soon as i find the cancer once the panic is gone once everything is settled i start looking even at the scans i say okay i got to know exactly what is happening i do my research and once that is done, I say, okay, let me go talk to the doctor. And once I talk to the doctor, as in this case, I was referred to the surgeon. And when I was talking to the surgeon and he said, oh, Shobha, yeah, I think we have to cut through your liver. Uh, I will go through your back, through the rib cage. And, and it was like a massive, complicated surgery that he was talking about. And when I asked a certain question regarding the location of the cancer and the way he fumbled, I said, thank you, doctor. And I just walked out of there. Mm-hmm. And I immediately called my other oncologist and they said, I need another surgeon. I need to go to some other center. And I got a referral for that center. And I walked into that surgeon's office. And lo and behold, he made it sound so simple. He drew the whole thing on his board and he said, this is what I'm going to do. This is going to be a laparoscopic surgery and uh, it should be a simple one. What I want to tell here is, one is your mental makeup. Everybody can digest things differently. They will. So I might be taking it a little bit a matter of factly when I get diagnosed with cancer. Well, I've seen it so many times, I guess by now. Uh, I was like, okay, fine, one more, let me fight it through. But then once everything is settled, I think it's, it's good to do your research and find out exactly the doctor you want uh, and uh, get the knowledge, do the research so you know exactly what you are getting into. And I just wanted to cite this example to show that you make your own decision and ensure that you are in the right hands when you are getting treated.
0: You know, I I love what you say about that because, you know, in, in our her current healthcare system, you know, physicians are so. You know, patients often say they they feel rushed through the system, but you know, providers, I think many are trying to do the right thing, but they're often paid on quantity and not quality, mm-hmm. and so they're rushed through that visit. And I think, and, and to that end, I think it's important that it's a partnership with that physician and that patient. It really is. And and I, I I like how you did your research. And I think it's important to do that and to say, if it's not a good fit, for whatever reason, you know yourself, you know your body, you know what you're comfortable with to be able to say, not for me and know that there are alternative options out there. So I appreciate your bravery in doing that and doing what's best for you. And what an amazing result that was from this. I mean, the surgery going through the back and the rib cage to- yeah. much simpler approach. It's just night and day and how different your life would have been going through that massive surgery on top of everything else. So, um, certainly a win I I think for you. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Now, I understand that, um, you have a book out that you just put out and Mm -hmm. I was hoping that, that you could share with us sort of some lessons from your book, uh, My Race Against Death. And we'll make sure a link to everything and as well. But I was just hoping to again just to share a couple a few lessons from the book uh with the listeners. Sure. Uh
1: thank you for mentioning my book, Sandy. So My Race Against Death, that is the book that I released a couple of months back. And uh I the even the reason for writing the book was mainly because I have had friends. Uh, even this morning, in fact, I was texting somebody. People who are going through cancer at various stages. Whenever anybody sees someone, they refer them to me. More, I think I, I'm almost like an advocate right now, uh, without the tag attached to me, and I try to help them as much as possible. And so I said, okay, why not write it as a book and share whatever I have learned with all uh, with my uh, long arduous journey. So the key lesson. Uh, Number one, which I spoke just now is be your own advocate, because I think we have to take care of uh, our health. What I have often seen is, as you just right now said uh, about quality versus quantity, that's number one. And number two, when we go to doctors, they are not God. Mm -hmm. They're also human beings and uh, they make uh, their uh, decisions based on what they have learned and their experience, which we do in various fields for different things. Only here, it's a matter of life and death. So I think it's up to us as patients to make sure that we understand everything very clearly. We research our own disease. We are aware and have full knowledge of everything that we are taking and doing with regards to any disease. So be your own advocate is number one. and. uh And I do have a chapter where I talk about how to talk to a cancer patient uh, as a friend or as a caregiver and what not to tell them. So because it was more geared towards cancer at that point. And then how to be empathetic. But there is one key takeaway, which I have right in the cover of my book is I am not my disease. So don't let your struggles stop you from living. For example, when I got my transplant, At the age of 22, I had just started my career, um, and I'm an engineer, electrical engineer. I didn't let it stop me. I worked till the day before my transplant, and then I went for the transplant. Three months later, I was back at work. And then um, every single cancer, for the first cancer, I took short-term disability during the chemo for three months, but then I was again back at work. I went on moving in my career up and up and up. I switched companies. I never ever left my job. I never left my hobbies. And what I feel, and I've traveled all over the world with my husband. What I feel is anything, any struggle in our life, we should never let it stop us from living life to the fullest extent. And uh, as I said, I am not my disease. So don't let the disease define you. I am. I I cannot even tell you how much I feel about that statement. Mm-hmm. I it, It's in my core. Uh, it's almost like I'm fighting the disease whenever I got hit with cancer. Yes, I'm fighting the cancer. But at the same time, I just wanted to may ensure that it doesn't let me stop from living the life I have today. Because, yeah, it might affect me later. Yes, it might not let me live long. All that could be fine, but it should not let me stop living today. So those are the three key takeaways I talk about in my book, along with my story. The way I have written the book, every chapter, there is a subtitle, which is a lesson I have learned and along with my story, kind of giving an example as to how to live life.
0: Wow, that that's so amazing and great advice. Uh and it it's so hard when you're you you're struggling with that, but you're so right. I mean, mindset is such a part of of being able to to navigate the system, but also to just get to that better place and not give up. And it can be daunting, as I mentioned earlier, but just really um, you know, being that advocate and being strong in your mind to to fight the fight and um, is, is so incredibly important. And I love what you said is I'm not my disease. And because I think it, it, it's so it's hard. I can't I, I know it must be hard. What you went through and certainly what maybe listeners are going through as well, but to, um, to refocus on the the fight and the living your best life, I think is, is so, so important. Mm hmm. Um, one of the things I have is we, we have more time here, but I was just, just any kind of, you know, final thoughts because again, I focus with, with individuals. I try to tell them, I, I don't know where anybody's at on their healthcare journey, but, but listeners, I think what I, when I talk to them so often is just their frustration with our healthcare system today and, and navigating that and just trying to figure out. Um, how how best to do that if they're struggling with a diagnosis of cancer or finding um, a, a doctor that they have a good relationship with. And you've been through a lot. I just didn't know if you had any uh, tips on that uh, based on your experience.
1: Yeah, you know, with the way our system is set up here in the U.S., number one is uh, insurance, right? Um, that's always a problem for some folks. And for some folks, it is not, depending on what you're doing. And I guess uh, that also was one of the impetus for me to keep working just so I could get the insurance. So assuming you have a good insurance, how do you navigate the system now? Um, I think once you find a doctor, I keep in mind that you don't have to be stuck to a doctor just because you have been going to the doctor for a long time. for uh, for a particular disease if you think that doctor may not be able to give you all that you need ensure that you have um, all the expertise that you need go go to a different doctor and how to navigate that i think most of the doctors in general are open when you talk to them clearly and say that i'm not comfortable can you give me referral to one more person it can even start as a second opinion and then you can even make the move if you have to so that would be one way of navigating the other way what for example something like cancer right for getting a second opinion is very very key when it comes to uh, cancer and there are a lot of almost all these hospitals right now they have uh, they have a set of a team set up just for second opinions and they have social uh, social welfare folks who are there in the hospital. They can even help you if you cannot. Uh, I'm sure you know more about that, Sandy. Uh, it's a, they do help you
0: uh, even with the uh, uh, monetary. Uh, uh, yeah, I think you might be referring to patient navigators, maybe. Yes,
1: yeah, something like that. Patient yeah. navigators who help you both if you have an insurance or if you don't have an insurance, just to ensure that you can still get a second opinion. So I think that's one way of navigating uh, in a hospital. Just find out which is the team and talk to them. Because I'm part of various support groups uh, for cancer. And I can see that when people ask a question, the set of uh, other members immediately, they chime with saying, okay, go ahead and find out who the patient navigator is and talk to them and they will guide you to the right doctor. I, I think... Uh, it doesn't hurt. Even if it takes time, go find out at a, uh, whichever hospital where you think uh, you will find uh, good doctors, just ensure that you reach out to them um, and uh, navigate.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really great stuff. That That is so key. When we were taking care of my father-in-law when he was mm. in the hospital and we were at a loss on following up with his, his care once he got out and, Uh, physical therapists, occupational therapists, and patient navigators are very valuable in in sort of helping you through that authorization process, finding out what's in network. And I think the key thing and what you were saying too, is just to not be, you're not alone in that. Make sure you ask questions. You know, one thing I would add as well is sometimes I feel like people can get intimidated if they're talking to a physician, oh, let me listen. Um, And again, it's always good to listen and be respectful, but it's, I think it's important to come forward with those questions. Should you have them? Or again, think if that's not the the ideal physician for you to find um, somebody else to not be intimidated by that, but, but um, again, being that advocate and care. So those are um, some, some key things there. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 well, you put it more eloquently than me. Thank you. for that. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, Well, as we are coming up on a close, I always like to to end the show with some uh, closing thoughts that that you may have uh, to give uh, to the listeners. Yeah, Uh, closing thoughts,
1: definitely. As I said, uh, I'm not my disease. Don't just let your disease define you and live life, live life, enjoy life. And uh, there is one quote which I love sharing with people. Happiness is a path not a destination. So always remember that regardless of whatever it is, yes, you can be navigating healthcare. Yes, you could be down. Uh, uh, if there could be so many things affecting your life, but try to be happy in this path that is given to us wherever life is taking us.
0: Oh, that's great stuff. Well I I am was so excited to have you on because of your story. I can't wait to get my hands on your book as well. And and read this. And because as I said, you never know where anybody's at on their journey. And and I love sharing stories and appreciate you being open to share your story um, because we never know who needs to hear that that message. Mm-hmm. So I'm so grateful to you for being on the show today. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Sandy. Wow. Some great words of wisdom from Shoba and what a journey she has been on. I am so grateful that she has shared her story with us, and I hope that it inspires you to get through your health journey wherever you are at with positive energy and courage to fight through it to live your best life. In our next episode, we have Dr. Sherman, a pediatrician who shares his journey as a physician wanting to care for his patients, but overwhelmed with the demands of the healthcare system, impacting the quality care he would like to provide his patients. Until next time, get savvy.